Good evening and welcome to Geek Hard, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. While you're at the job working 9 to 5, Geek Cards on Reality Radio, kicking it live. No sleep till Geek Card. Welcome to the show. I'm Andrew Young. With me, as always, is Mr. Green. Mr. Green, jup jup. Jup jup. Jup jup. There we go. We got a great show for you tonight, friends. Big show. Later on in the program, we'll be talking to Nikki Duval, one of the actors from Working Moms. The final season, the seventh season, has dropped on Netflix, and now the entire series is available there for your perusal. And uh, Nikki's going to talk about us, talk to us about her experiences on Working Moms over the past seven years, and other great stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've also got a review coming your way. The end, uh, like it's another ending here. It's the end of Working Moms. is also the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. That's uh, the trilogy. Yeah, the okay, Guardians yeah, okay, of sorry. the Galaxy trilogy. Sorry. Not the end of these characters. Yeah. <laughs> but the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy by James Gunn. James Gunn is definitely not going to be doing no. anything more with these characters. No, no, no. He is. Yeah, he is out. And so we're going to be giving our full review of, of spoiler free, of course, of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume nope. 3. I'm going to review. I'm going to. You're going to spoil the shit out of it? Every scene. Going to break it down. Oh, man. I remember that time when we did that with Rogue One. I wanted to kill you. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> get, a, get a, a Star Wars nerd talking about Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, it was my mistake. It definitely was my mistake. But uh, you know, it's not my mistake talking to really cool directors. I actually got to talk with one a little while ago, and you're going to get to hear that interview tonight. Last week, we reviewed the movie Sisu, and I got the chance to talk with director Yalmari Helender about Sisu and how he put that film together. And uh, we're going to hear that in just a little bit. But before we do, we're going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, you'll get to hear my interview with Yamari Hallander and more. It's all happening right here, Geek Card on Reality Radio 101. everybody jimmy the short order cook here asking you what's better than listening to geek Hard? answer listen to geek Hard while wearing a geek Hard t-shirt and there's a place you can get them at tpublic.com slash user slash geek Hard. we got a bunch of great shirts there we got geek Hard shirts we got a mr green's tasty meat shirt now we got a back issue bloodbath shirt for all your geek needs with your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geekart. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you.
Welcome back to Geek Hard, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Hard, where it's always smoke and mirrors, pyro and ballyhoo. That's the way we play it here. With the X-Men characters here? No, not pyro. Not, not not pyro in that sense. Pyro and Ballyhoo was actually what uh, wrestling writer Vince Russo used to write at the f- top of every script for Monday Night Raw. Is Monday Night Raw opens with Pyro and Ballyhoo. Okay. Standing for pyrotechnics and all that shit, you know. So he, what, to be honest, having watched it during his run, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Exactly. He's not wrong. He's and wrong you know, in everything else, though. Yes. Yes. And you know what? If you're a fan of Geek Card, you're not wrong either. Questionable, but not wrong. Uh, There are places you can go when we're not here, when we're not live on the air. And you're like, man, I really wish I could get some Geek Card right now. There's a place you can go on the interwebs. Patreon.com slash Geek Card. You go there. You become a Geek Cardigan. You join up there. You help us make this great show what it is. And you also get cool exclusives in return, including the entire back catalog of the Extra Hard podcast for Mr. Green and a special guest. Sit back and talk about an actor or a director or a movie or a TV show. Peel back the layers and find out what they really think of that piece. The pilot to the January Men podcast, a podcast that may eventually become a thing, uh, where four men in their varying ages of 40s and 50s Talk about a movie that nobody watched the first time it came out. But some of some of the people in that group have an opinion on it, and the other two find their opinion by the end of the show. So you're, you're definitely- really selling it for the under 30 crowd. <laughs> really selling it. Oh, come on. Come on. Under 30? Like you go, okay, so basically think of your favorite comedian's podcast and just lessen your expectations. There we go. Because <laughs> that's essentially what you listen to on those. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, but yeah, so definitely check that all out at patreon.com slash geekard. We're going to get into the show now with uh, the first interview, which is actually an interview I conducted about a week and a half ago with uh, a very talented director. I didn't realize this until, like, just today. I've seen all three of his films, and I've enjoyed all three of his films. Of course, his first film was back in 2010, Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale, which, uh, of course, we talked about on the show for yep. a Christmas episode in the early days of Geek Card, probably, probably around 2012, 2013 time we talked about that. Mm-hmm. His second film, Big Game, came out in 2014. I had totally forgotten about this film, but it's a really good film starring Samuel Jackson. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, oh yeah okay yeah you remember he plays the president and his plane goes down in uh in finland yeah yeah so definitely that's a good one and his recent film sisu came out just last friday you heard us talk just last friday about it we loved the film it's all about finding gold and killing nazis two of my favorite pastimes and uh or at least back in the day it was before the rules changed uh war was over you know that time but uh but yeah those are those are two of my favorite things i guess uh that film was great and i got to talk with director yalmari helander about that film and more let's take a listen to that interview right now 
Hi there, Yomari. Hello. So how's it going today, man? Going great. Spring is finally here. That's good. That's good. Spring is always good. Now, of course, Sisu, classic action film, great story, simple premise. Old guy finds gold in Lapland. The Nazis take it from him. He then fights the Nazis. And I got to say, it's, it's, it's a uni- almost universal that you tell somebody, hey, this film kills a bunch of Nazis. We're on board. You know, like that's just the way it is. It's like you don't have to explain that feeling. You know, yeah, let's kill some Nazis. You came up with some really inventive kills in this film. Was there a particular favorite of yours, uh, your favorite kill of a Nazi? Yes, there is. And, uh, yeah, I knew that because I didn't have like $100 million to do this. I had to be inventive of, it's not just about like killing Nazis, but it's about how to do it. And, um, probably my most favorite one is, I don't want to make spoilers, but how to survive underwater. That's something I was laughing my ass off when I got that idea. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was laughing my ass off when I saw that. Definitely. Now, (laughs) now, now during the film, like, of course, you know, you got this rocky terrain uh, of uh, Northern Lapland. Uh, It's just, you know, beautiful looking um, landscape and everything. But uh, I know that during the film that it snowed while you were making the film. And of course, that would not match anything you guys were doing when you show up on, on location that day and you see the snow, are you immediately panicking or do you automatically have a plan to deal with this? Well, when I left from the hotel and and saw that the snow, snow has come, of course I was in a bad mood, Um, but, but we had some clever plans how to, how to deal with that problem. But, Basically, we couldn't shoot on that day that much, but we made the most of it anyway. Well, that's good. That's good. Now, again, you're dealing with a lot of elements like it being a period piece, so you have to have a certain look to the film. What was more temperamental on set, the cars you were using or the horse? Well, definitely the horse because I was expecting to have all kinds of problems with with the cars, which actually were really old. But I never had any problems with any motorcycles, cars or tank or whatever. But with the horse, I had massive problems. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that I laugh now because I wasn't laughing then. No, definitely not. Yeah, just uh, horse giving you problems, definitely. Now... You came up with this film in 2020 when another film had to go on hold because of the pandemic. Do you feel that like frustration breeds creativity? Because you came up with this a relatively quickly script in two months. Do you feel like just being stuck in a box helped you find this creative idea? Uh, definitely. I've, I've always thought that it's bullshit when people say that when you are facing like a bad time of your life, you're going to like make a great rock album or write a cool script. Or I've always thought that that's bullshit. But uh, I was 
I was in a so dark place and 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 I what's the word dwelled on it like and and all my jealous jealous feelings of my colleagues who are doing all kinds of stuff and I'm not doing anything and it really sank into me and and, uh, and from that anger Sisu somehow transformed like just gripped really fast it was a weird couple of months but <laughs> it was worth it well, there you go definitely now there's a definitely a spaghetti western influence to this film uh, and of course you know you were a, a fan you grew up watching Sergio Leone and stuff like that did you realize the influence while you were writing to it and lean into it or was it something that happened more organically of course I thought when I was writing it and I, I think about the landscape and, and man on a horse and and all that stuff and and, and I wrote a, and I uh, draw a lot of pictures of, of it while I was writing. I knew that this will look like like a old western kind of feel. I knew that's that's gonna be there somehow, but I, I didn't want to go too far with it. But but I knew I can't avoid it. That that's that's gonna happen anyway. But I didn't want to use like a Stetson or something to make it <laughs> <laughs> make, make it even more like that. But yeah, I think I knew what I was doing when I wrote the script, and uh, it's basically really hard to to like explain where all the influences come from because they can come from a, a, anywhere, basically. Oh yeah, no, totally. Again, this film has, for the first half of this film especially, has very little dialogue. Uh, your main character doesn't speak very much. Why was it so important for you to have the main character kind of not speak? Well, I've always had like a trouble of trying to find an angle when I'm writing to to tell a, like a finished story and and have that kind of story that it forces in some way to speak English that I can get financed with, with the film. So so I thought it might be even more finishing not to say anything. Uh, and, well, he doesn't have anyone to talk to anyway. So I, I took, his, took it as a challenge. There were a couple of lines in the, in the script in the beginning, but I started to take them all off. Uh, Artemy had some lines to the, to the dog or to the horse, or but it, it felt like pointless. So I took it away, and I I, I think it it was a really cool experience to write scenes without dialogue, because it forces you to uh, think like more cinematic ways of how to tell the story, and and uh, I'm gonna do more for more like that in the future. Probably we'll do a film where we don't talk at all. I don't know. Oh, no. I, well, I'm excited <laughs> to see that. Definitely. That sounds like a lot of fun. Of course, in this film, one of the one of the stars that steals the show has got to be your dog. The dog is amazing in this and brings, you know, some moments of levity and sometimes there's some, like, heavy, hardcore, badass moments. How much fun was it to work with the dog? The dog was a really good actor, and he's actually... Yorma's like own dog. I, I I always thought that it it will be a more like manly 
beast of a dog. When, in some point when I was writing, I, I asked from Jorma a photo of how he looks now and how his hair and everything is. And the dog was in the background. And uh, the producer, Petri, saw the dog and, and she, he said that that should be the dog. And I was like, no fucking way. It's, it's not going to be anything like that. But but when I think about it for a second, I, I said, maybe that's exactly the idea that we need a dog like that. Yeah, yeah. Cause it, cause then it, yeah, exactly. It kind of shows without showing it, it shows the softer side of Adamami. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like it's right there. Oh my God. Now, when you were making this, again, your last two films took place in Finland, but this is the one you actually got to shoot in Finland. You got to mm-hmm. shoot out there and get your hands dirty making a film like this. Did it make you feel like a kid again? Definitely. It, it felt like what I was doing with a VHS camera when I was like 18. The same kind of stuff going on, but with a little bit better budget. Oh, man. Well, well, I could, you can tell that from watching the film. The energy off this film is amazing. It, I feel like anybody that watches this film is going to have a fun ride with it. And uh, I really look forward to people getting to check it out. I also wanted to let you know that I uh, really love Rare Exports as well. I'm, I'm always excited to see where you're going because you're such an inventive filmmaker, sir. And uh, it's been a pleasure with talking with you today. Well, thank you a lot. Uh, I'm excited of the premiere next week. It's going to happen. I hope right. people went, go to see it. Definitely, definitely. And just closing, do you think that uh, Adami and uh, and John Rambo would become buddies in real life? And Adami doesn't have any friends. So. <laughs> You'd at least respect John Rambo. Probably. There you go. Maybe they would say, Bob wouldn't say anything, but maybe do something like this. Yeah, just give it a nice nod and wave. <laughs> there you go. Respect. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your time, man. Have a great day. Thank you. So that was my interview with Yalmari Helender, and I brought up John Rambo at the end for two reasons. Number one, if you see the film, there is kind of a parallel to John Rambo's story and uh, Arami's story in the sense that they didn't want this fight, but they were going to, you know, they were going to end the fight, right? Also, while I was talking to Yalmari, gigantic John Rambo poster behind him. (laughs) So it's sort of like, I think he's a fan of John Rambo. I don't know. That makes you know sense. Just, yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh my god! But yeah, def- if you haven't seen Sisu yet, and you love action films, and like you're a fan of stuff like One versus All, like a like a John Wick or something like that, definitely go check it out. It's still playing in theaters. Sisu, you're gonna want to see this. We're gonna take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll be giving our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and we invite you all to email in your reviews, and we'll read them live on the air. Or, hey, if you just want to write in and say hi, email us at geekcardshow at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 right here, Geek Card Radio 101. Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy. What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Patula Neal. 
when we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. V starts taking me over. I can't deal before the money. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, friends. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here on a fabulous Friday night. In just a moment, we're going to be giving you our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The end of the trilogy. But uh, before we do, just remind you folks that if you want to email in, give us your reviews of the film, or comment on our reviews, you can do that at geekardshow at gmail.com. Mr. Green. Yes, yes, yes. It's been a while since we've had a Marvel movie like this, in my opinion, in the sense that one that doesn't really have any major crossover. You know what hmm. I mean? It has been a while since, because this film does, well, you know, unlike the first Guardians of the Galaxy, which kind of helped set up the minutia for what would be the, what the, the MacGuffin that everybody's trying to get for like the first however many movies, this film doesn't have any major tie-ins, so to speak. No, not, not, not even a little bit. That, it, you're right. I, I didn't even think about that when I was watching it. For, and I, other reasons that I'll get into, but it's uh, it is that yeah, it is kind of unique in the the Marvel universe. Yes, it's a unicorn. It is. Oh my god! But uh, before we get into it, uh, of course, we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, written and directed by James Gunn, based on the Marvel Comics series, written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Pictures. Here to read the synopsis. He's our good friend, the old man. Hey. Hey, bud. You know what I wish when we go to the new world? What's that? I'm going to make these amazing contraptions that can fly. And me and Andrew and the old man, that's me, Jimmy the short order cook, and Mr. Green can go flying off all of our friends. Notice I left out my ex-roommate. I did notice that. Because I... he's going to have to stay at home and not have the fun. Because that's now that he's gone, I'm like, I'm not having any fun. I miss my roommate. Well, that's what happens when, you know, as you uh, progress through life. Yeah, I've progressed so many times, you know? Yeah, but that's different. You, you're, you've you gone around now around a few times, so it's like your cyclical energy is just infinite. Uh, do you think that my roommate will have the same luck? And then maybe he'll be my roommate again, maybe 200 years from now? Uh, you never know. You never know. It all depends on how things go right now. All right. Well, you know. Why do all my friends have to move away? Or, like, die? Sucks. He didn't die, folks, just so we're clear. His roommate did not die. He moved well, away. I covered that one. He moved away. 
Yeah, well, I guess to some people he may have died, but I still I still believe in him. His close friends, you know, won't see him as much. Oh, are you talking about marriage is death? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm just I'm just saying you know some people have that feeling. Oh uh, no, no, Mary! I congratulations to those crazy kids. I just miss them, you know. The basement, you know, maybe they'll get a place, right? And they'll need somebody to rent out the basement. They can rent it out to me. Uh, after the way you treated them, I don't think so. Oh, what are you talking about? I just shoot them nothing but love. Yeah, that's sure. Nothing sure. but love. I was giving him constructive criticism about his Twitch channel. Mm. I was sure. also telling the truth. Nobody did watch it. Like, come on now. Anyways. These are fair. Love my old roommate. I just miss him. That's all. But in the new world, he stays at home. That's the way it is. All right. So still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own on a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians, if not successful. Isn't that always the way, eh? Yeah, kind of is. It kind of is, you know. And as I know there's been any time I've been in a situation where I've had to defend the universe, there's a good chance some of us ain't coming back, you know? Mm, yeah, it's true. That's right. Hell, any any type of thing. Like I remember this one time I was in Sparta. Me and my buddies were like uh, holding the shields shoulder to, to ankle there. We made a phalanx. You know what that is, right? A phalanx? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of those guys didn't come back, you know? Actually, most of them. I think I was the only guy. I'm lucky. Makes sense. I'm lucky that way. It was a rough do, time. Do you know why? Do you know why I made it back? Do you know why I always make it back? Why? Because I'm a dancer. You are. That's right. I'm going to dance right out of here now. You're not going to say goodbye or okay? Or... Well, you hadn't left yet, so it's it's... Waiting for you to start turning away to I'm leave. I'm dancing. I'm dancing. See, it's going. I'm going slowly back. Goodbye. Thank you. For God's sake, show a little common courtesy. And there he goes. It's very temperamental. He always wants you to say goodbye. He, he, very needy. He's very needy. Well, he's lost his roommate, I guess. <laughs> Ooh, so, kids, the lesson is when people are in your life, treat them respectfully. Don't make fun of their Twitch channels, and maybe they'll stick around. You never know. You never know. So, Mr. Green, let's get into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. As I said, really not tied to anything except the other Guardians films and mm -hmm. stuff that happened in the past. No, like, current movies that it ties to. Uh, what are your thoughts, man? Uh, it is definitely, in my opinion, the best marvel film since endgame uh well mm, i'd say spider-man Spider no way home was pretty good yeah yeah no that's why i started to hesitate because i was like wait a minute there was spider-man in there so yeah yeah no 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 i i i i will digress yeah that that actually that was uh still not as good as homecoming but yeah that's yeah. way back yeah 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 okay so second uh, okay it's like it's right there. It's right there because I, I honestly I've been really disappointed in pretty much all of the Marvel stuff for the most part. 
since since Endgame, which I you know what? I was thinking about this the other day. I totally get it. I totally get why me and uh, for the reasonable people are, have been kind of disappointed. It's just like once you've built up for 10 years like they did to get to Endgame and to have this big epic blow off battle, right? Um, it's completely different than in comics, right? We we go through, you know, epic blow off battles like all the time in comics. Mm. You just kind of you just roll with it, right? Yeah, because and even the, like also long running TV shows and stuff. Yeah, it's just the stakes are different. But with with the way that the MCU is structured, I I really think that a lot of the criticism, uh, the rational criticism of the MCU post Endgame comes from a, a, a you know just kind of a deflation after that of all you know of everything that took place ahead of that yeah a deflation uh, so there's, there's a combination of that mixed mm-hmm. with the fact that the formula that you use to get up to end game you have to switch it up and unfortunately marvel editorial or the producers and stuff still have to want to try to work in their tie-ins to things so like handcuffing a lot of mm-hmm. directors on where they can go um and not handcuffing enough other directors looking at you taika um but uh but yeah a lot of those other films had things in their way either because of marvel needing something for it to do or because of factors beyond their control like an actor dying or things like that right whereas this was very much an auteur kind of storytelling james gunn continuing the stories he was telling from the last two movies with no real added, like you got to add this in or you got to work that in type mentality. Yeah, no, it, it, you know, it, it's uh, when you look at it, like going into this film this week, right? One of the things I I, I knew that uh, I had read about this uh, a while ago as well, but I was reminded this week of the fact that uh, how much Gunn personally disliked how the Guardians were treated in non-Gunn produced product within the MCU. Mm um about how they're written but especially uh he's still pretty bitter about uh like and when i mean bitter it's not like that's why he's leaving to go to dc this is, has nothing to do with that but no, he's leaving to go to dc because they gave him a much bigger job yeah he's in charge right <laughs> yeah. um and but it, like look he he's still kind of annoyed by how they treated peter in, in the infinity films because essentially peter's the one who fucked everything up mm. Right. If it wasn't for Peter, they may have actually won. Totally. We got a couple right? emails in. Uh, Jane D writes, "Geeks, it sucked. That's all. Very succinct, right yeah. to the point. Thank That's... you, Jane." <laughs> all right. John T writes in, "So sad about the old man." Guardians three blows. Good interview, Andrew. I'm always listening to you. Well, thank you, John. I'm always happy that you're listening because I'm always talking. And so I'm glad that you're listening. Um, th- thank you very much for the, enjoying the interview. Uh, yeah, the old man's just got to learn not to take shit out on people, and maybe those people will stick around, you know? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. He's got to learn. You know, he's had enough. He's had, uh, by his account, centuries to learn this. I don't know why it took so long. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so thank you for your email. And then we got Ralph H. who writes in, Geeks, what is with the old man's roommate? <laughs> No rating. Okay. No rating I, for the movie or for the roommate? I don't. <laughs> well, I'm going to assume that that was written before we uh we kind of let it go. Like what what happened out, but you know, he the kid got married. 
Yeah, the kid got married. The kid got married, and you know. But there was a pre-marriage falling out between the old man and the kid. Yeah, the kid moved out before he got married. Yeah. The old man just was like really hammering on him. Like I checked, I saw his roommate's Twitch channel before he closed it down. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. See, this is the thing, right? I, I I like the kid. It's just the old man just really just. The worst is when the old man would come on the Twitch stream oh, yeah. and just berate him saying, that's not how you play Metroid. Like, my God, man. Although pretty, it was pretty, pretty funny. Actually, that's when he got most of his views. So maybe they, maybe they had something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Oh, my God. So let's get back to Guardians. Yes. Um. Yeah. So now the Guardians, this incarnation of the guardians mm. like from the movies is based on the comic book by dan abnett and andy lanning which started up in 2008 actually we're going to be talking about that comic on my other podcast back issue bloodbath very shortly um and what they did for the movie is they kind of streamlined that team and was like okay here's some of the characters from that comic and go for the first movie now that they've gotten to the third film, pretty much the almost the entire team is represented on camera here. And the look, you know, if you know the you notice they went to the blue kind of uniforms yep. and everything like that, that's straight out of the comic. Them living on nowhere, it's straight out of the comic. A lot of the things that they do in this film actually harken back to the comic. And it's kind of interesting the way that, you know, Gunn and the team took these characters and slowly built them up to their comic book counterparts. Like gave yeah. them like, gave them kind of like, here, we're going to, we're going to show you the brass tacks of this team. So you get interested in them. You'll learn to love them and everything like that. And then when we get to the end of it, we're going to basically show you what they were in the comic books. And that's kind of what they did here, which I was really surprised at. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it also, I think uh, highlights something that, uh, um, I think we've started to really notice over the last few years uh, between um, the MCU fans and the comic fans that while in the beginning it was like comic fans were going to the films because they wanted to see the films, but the MCU itself has built its own audience of yeah. that storyline, mm-hmm. not not the comic storyline. They have no knowledge of the comic storyline or very little knowledge of the comic storyline. Yeah. They just really like these characters because they watch them in the movies. That's really, really cool. Um, I find now that what used to be that kind of old school gatekeeping, well, you don't really know these characters is, you know, should be like this. It's kind of like reverse now. Now it's like the MCU hardcores, you know, uh, are kind of like fighting against everything else, like bringing in comic accurate things or like, why does it feel a little buffoonish here and a little cartoony? And it's like, well, that's cause that's what it was like in the comics. Right. Or this costume sucks, or I don't like the way this, you know, you know, what I mean? it's like, it's, it's kind of this weird reversal thing. But all that being said, I there is I do have something to say about this film that I am going to uh, this is going to be a hill I die on. And I'll say this right now. The high evolutionary. Mm -hmm. Arguably. Yeah, no, not even arguably. Definitely top five villain in the MCU. And as immediately as of right now, for sure, not only just both in storytelling, but just in the sheer fact of how much they actually make him a villain. Yeah. In this, in this movie, like I hate him. I hate him. I hate him 
because the way they've written them, they they wrote them the correct way. I hate him as 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 a as an entity. I hate him on his on his ethics. I hate him on his attitude. I hate him on the way that he talks to people. Like I hate him on every level. Like I was glad to see things bad happen to him. Just happy about it because I was like, "You're a scumbag," and I was cool with that. And I I think that's a, also a credit to this film because uh, the MCU, while a lot of people love it, we've me and you have talked about this a lot offline. Not the strongest uh, cadre of villains. We've actually talked about that online. We've talked about it here on the show before. That a lot of times the villain is either made too sentimental to the audience and becomes mm-hmm. like a character that people are more interested in, like a Loki or someone like that, mm-hmm. or even a Thanos to that extent. There's a lot of Thanos stands out there. They're like, Thanos was right. I love Thanos. It's like, then there's been the other ones that just haven't been given enough for you to care about the villain, mm-hmm. uh, which has happened a number of times. And in some situations it works like in the first Iron Man movie, having a villain that kind of takes a back seat worked because right. the idea that Tony's true adversary was almost himself. Oh yeah. Um, but in other films, it has been a problem. So with this, you do have a villain who is a threat and who you're not rooting for, who you can't see yeah. his side. You look at it and go, you're just, you're just evil. Yeah. And the thing is, in his mind, he thinks he's right, but it's not the kind of way of like, well, he's got a point. It's like you think you're right because you're, you're egomaniacal and you think you're God. Yeah. So, and you know, like you can't get on board with that. Definitely not. Uh, but that kind of segues into the thing that I thought was the the best thing about this movie. Okay. The first two Guardians of the Galaxy films. We're films about Star Wars. Right. This is a film about Rocket. Yes. Rocket takes center stage, and it's because James Gunn, the whole reason why James Gunn came on board for the Guardians of the Galaxy was when they first gave him the Guardians of the Galaxy, he said, well, I got to write this raccoon character. How can I make that work? And they said, well, you'll figure it out. And then that's what he thought about. He thought, oh, wait a second. What if he's like this character that he's been, his body has been manipulated and pulled and fucked with and, and everything and to the point where he doesn't even know what he is. Mm-hmm. And he built the rest of the story out of that. So he's been waiting to kind of give Rocket the main story for a while. And they smartly did it here is that they give Rocket the main story, but still give Star-Lord his chance to have like a leadership kind of story. And they run parallel. Well, so the fans get what they want. Yeah. And Gunn gets what he wants. And let's and not to get too deep in the, too deep in the weeds on uh giving stuff away, but this is all what you're saying, which I completely agree with, uh is all done with a character that is not fully in the film for most of the film. Yeah, well, yeah, in one sense, but in another yeah. sense, he is. No, that's what I mean. It's it's yeah. a very interesting way they tell that like story. Like when I'm talking about parallel storytelling, yeah. I mean, they're like, it's kind of like, you know, how in a Star Wars film, mm-hmm. the characters branch off in their own journeys. In a way, they do that here, but in a different way. No, 100%. I just, I like, it just, it makes me, you know, just makes me laugh when I think about it because of the way that he's telling this story. And I think in other creator's hands it may not have come off as well but also 
with that is because we've had two films of these characters. So there is some buy-in early on, just immediately. There's, there are emotions that we, that we totally understand what's going on. Um, the other thing of course, is not, not all of the jokes by some miracle, not all of the best stuff was in the trailers. Mm. Um, there is stuff in the film that is still kind of surprising that this is the, this is the best cameo appearance by Nathan Fillion in a guardians movie yet. Yeah, yeah, yes it is fantastic yeah i got one of those guys on my team as well yeah yeah he was great and of course nice to see um jennifer holland pop up there as well in the film yeah that's the thing if you're an actress or an actor get a wife or a husband who's a director you know get some extra parts on the side it's good <laughs> that's right or in Nathan Fillion's case, just to be like best friends yeah know? or be like best friends and definitely. be willing to go go anywhere um totally. Yeah, it, it, uh, that but that's one of the hallmarks of the gun philosophy. And there, oh, yeah. there's there's a few other directors that are like this too. It's like get your you get your crew, and your crew travels, mm-hmm. right? And they'll go anywhere. They'll do anything, you know. And uh, uh, you know, I've even heard that about Christopher Nolan. Like as much as I dislike him as a creator right now, um, there are people that will go to the end of the earth for him, not even just fans, but like other uh, actors and, and, and uh, people in the industry. Mm-hmm. I get it. Same Scorsese is famous for it. But again, this film, uh, it kind of speaks that, but I bring this up because it kind of speaks to this film because the, this, this idea of this found family, which continues to come through on this. And I, I have a hard time when I watch this film, not, loving everything i will admit though i was a little leery on adam warlock for the first half of this film right right but even with him they kind of stuck the landing no that's that's what i mean it's one of those like it's that rough ride at the beginning because it is supposed to be a rough ride and then and then it just you're like oh okay we had to go through this this nonsense to get to this point and now i'm okay like now it all like once you see it's the same it's the the logic of uh that i complain about with people who complain about us complain about a show after one episode even though it's eight or ten episodes long one continuous story complaining about that first hour because we haven't gotten the whole 10 you know what i mean like it's just we got to give it some time to breathe and they do and and warlock i actually i started i i like him by the end yeah, like, no, I, I, think, I find him an interesting character. Yeah, no, I think he's pretty good. I think they did a really good job of giving a lot of people smaller characters their moments, especially mm-hmm. characters that they've just introduced or have only had a little bit of time on screen beforehand. Like, and some uh, callback characters, too. Callback characters as well. Like, I really think Maria Bakalova does a great job as the voice of Cosmo. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the cosmonaut dog fantastic yeah um also linda cardellini with her second role in the marvel universe is the voice of lila the otter so that, that another great job in there um but uh yeah and then as i mentioned bringing in the will poulter actually did a great job i was a little worried at first as well and uh chagwudi iwuji he was he was yeah. as you said he was like yeah this guy's this guy's a complete bastard and it works and yeah, as ensemble cast acting at its peak, and they didn't they didn't do the wrong thing when it came to Gamora. They did the right thing, mm-hmm. which I'm proud of, I'm happy yeah. about. And uh, yeah, just some great performances all around, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, so- even even out of uh, Chris Pratt, which I was like, 
because he, he put in some half decent work here for a change. Totally, totally. You and uh, and we're back to Groot stealing some uh, some moments there. A hundred percent. But like you said, uh, you know, and we and anybody who's seen it will agree, and will agree into the future. This is one hundred percent, without a doubt, Bradley Cooper's movie. This oh, is yeah. his. This is all Rocket all the yeah. time, and and I am all on board for that. Yeah, and also if you're a fan of '90s, oh, '90s yeah. uh, rock and pop, yeah. Oh, this is this has got some bangers. Actually, yeah. the starting the starting song for me kind of surprised me because I didn't think a song like that would start a Guardians film. And not only does it, it totally fucking works. Yeah. Um, so no surprise here. We're both saying see it in theaters, correct? Absolutely. I, I'm, ha- I'm happy to say it, but a Marvel film for a while. There you go. We're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking with. Nikki Duval from Working Moms. Of course, send your emails in at geekcardshow at gmail.com. We'll be right here back. This is Geek Card on Reality Radio 101. Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geekard right here. On Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card. We're bringing in our last guest of the evening. You recognize her as Rosie Phillips on the long-running series Working Moms. Of course, a hit on Netflix and CBC it's finally come to an end. The seventh season dropped on Netflix just a couple of weeks ago. So now you can watch the entire series there. We're very happy to have on the show with us, Nikki Duval. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Hello. Hello. So I got to ask again, I've watched the entire series of yeah. Working Moms. And this season, a lot of stuff happens. But the thing I really need to ask you about first is, was that a working t-shirt gun? Yes, it was. <laughs> really operational. Did you get to? Did you get to fire it off a lot more than you did on the show? Like how much? How much did you get to fire off that sucker? Yeah, a lot, a lot. And there was a whole safety protocol. They had to teach me how to use it. It was very scary, but also very powerful. I felt badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I we got to imagine that. Did you just at that point you're thinking, oh, it's just t-shirts. I, I could just shoot this at yeah. anybody. Yeah, but um, very dangerous when you're like aiming it at a a bunch of background performers, you know, (laughs) and crew and cameras. I'm like, oh, God, don't break the camera. Yeah. So I had like an X I had to hit and um, I got close. I don't think I hit it every time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not exactly accurate, you know. No one was harmed in the shooting of the T-shirts. No one was harmed. No one was harmed. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, but uh, but yeah, you got to, you gotten to be on the whole ride for the whole seven yeah. seasons with working moms, and there's some characters. Some of the moms didn't make it that far, so like that's yeah, that's I know cool. 
it's it's crazy. And every year, you know, I didn't know, am I coming back? Uh, so it was a lovely surprise year after year. Um, yeah, I'm so grateful to be a part of the whole journey. It's yeah. crazy. It's almost a decade of my life, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. When you, like, again, when you first auditioned for the show, of course, you auditioned for uh, a different character, but you got mm-hmm. this one. And Catherine, Catherine Reitman saw something in you. In you. And it's kind of interesting to be like, I'm on a show. And I'm acting with my boss who's playing my boss and I'm playing the assistant looking for approval. Yeah. That's kind of very, that's very meta. Like truly it did the work for me. You know, I was just like, okay, not acting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Especially season one, I was like a new actor. Uh, I think it was, yeah, maybe the first one of the first things I ever did. I I started in the theater, so uh, I was like, "Oh God, what is this world? What is this? What is it being on set?" And so I was so new and and learning from her, but also being so nervous and being like, "Okay, I need to do. I need to impress her. I need her to like me." But then that's also my character, so it was really it was easy. <laughs> it was a lot easier than I thought. Well, and and looking back at that time, you know, like like over the years now with Working Moms, it, you know, it, it has gained such a uh, um, a fan base, and you know, and it's and it's been going for so long. Like that that experience itself also must have been you know uh, a very interesting and rewarding uh, uh, path for you th- these last few years. Oh yeah, just incredible. I I mean, that's the whole point to make an impact on people's lives and to entertain them and to create this fan base. I'm so grateful for the fans and and the DMs I receive, you know, of people just reaching out saying like this show helped me get through being a new mother. Like that is so magical. Um, I'm not a mother, but like that's the hardest thing in the world to, to be a mother, I think. Like these these women are warriors and yeah, that's just, I don't, I, I couldn't ask for a better gift to be a part of such an impactful show, but also for it to be a comedy. I think that's more impactful because it, you know, people relate, they can laugh along with their own lives and they can laugh at these situations and, and, and bring some lightness into their life under such heavy circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And like watching the show, it's very obvious to me that it had to have been a very comfortable set for the the places where you guys went, not only in the script, but I know you guys did have small chances to improvise and stuff, but like there's not any other show that I can think of where you could say, yeah, you know, what'd you do today? Oh, well, uh, my, the scene we were shooting is I was trying to take a selfie of my boss's butthole. Yeah, really. I mean, (laughs) that's that's never going to happen again. Yeah. (laughs) Never going to happen again for me. So thank you, Catherine, for the opportunity of being this close, literally to your asshole. This is very special. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's so fun. And these situations are crazy, especially this character. My character gets into these. I feel like she's just, she's insane, you know? So I get to just go big or go home. And that's been a real treat to just be able to like improvise and be stupid and, yeah, it's it's just it's truly so fun on set. We're laughing the whole time. I mean, still getting the job done, but of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you and yeah. you mentioned improvising. I was going to ask about how, like, how much for you did you find, you know, uh, in improvising that was it allowing you know that freedom versus yeah. sticking to script. For, you know, like that some some because some actors just prefer script over. You know, I 
Yeah, I definitely like a balance. I, I like to stick to the script. I think these writers are incredible and I think their words are warranted and, and we should stick to the script, especially comedies. I think um, they're written so specifically. The jokes are crafted, uh, but, you know, they always let us like run off at the end of it each scene so we would just like or or give alt lines you know the writers were always in the room tossing us alts and then if we had any in the canon we could just do them uh so it was definitely a good balance I didn't want to just destroy the script <laughs> you know and it's always so fun when you get to like just out of, of out of just like not knowing what to say spontaneous moment you say a great line and then it makes the edit like that's so that's so special Totally. Yeah. No. yeah. And with this, with, with season seven, I feel like Rosie gets to come in to her own. Cause of course she's no longer an assistant. Mm -hmm. She's a full partner, yeah. but that seems to be like a new, like hurdle in itself for Rosie of figuring out what does being your own boss mean? Yeah. And like, I feel like it comes out the most when, you finally get to have a scene with somebody who's been on the show for a long time, but really mm -hmm. didn't interact with you, Jesslyn Wanlin. I know. <laughs> and that that dynamic was so funny, but so fucking weird at the same time. <laughs> I think, like, when we were, I mean, I love Jesslyn, and we've been fans of each other, like, since day one. But, yeah, we never get to work together. And so when we finally got to work together, we're like, oh, my God, I feel like Rosie and um oh my god now i can't remember her character's name jenny jenny oh there wow. we go. <laughs> <laughs> i just watched the episode so that's you know okay it's, okay you gotta like, people pe people out there listening you gotta remember it's been a while not only since she's filmed this but yeah you know she probably saw the episode already because it aired on cbc a few months ago yes so, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm not all qualifiers in place <laughs> there we go <laughs> Also, you know, brain farts. We all have them. Yeah, yeah, of um, course. So we're like, how similar are Rosie and Jenny really in like their ridiculousness, their, uh, yeah, they're just, but, but polar opposites, you know? So we matched energy so well, but such a weird dynamic, but it was so fun. I thought those scenes, those scenes were my favorite this season by far, hands down. Yeah, yeah, when definitely. I the fire when I have to fire her was I truly felt bullied. I'm like, oh my god, you're scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, so of course, aside from you know, working moms, you know, you've got other stuff, different irons in the fire. And I know that uh mm -hmm. you you're working on what I consider one of Canada's biggest exports. You're working on a Christmas movie <laughs> for Netflix. Cause that seems yeah. like the the number of actors we talk to and the number yeah. of productions we see getting made in Ontario here. I know. It's most of them are Christmas, Christmas movies. movies. Yeah. It's really all about Christmas here. I know. Um, and we have a new Netflix studio in Toronto. So that's exciting. Uh, yeah. I just, I just wrapped the film just wrapped. Uh, but it, it stars uh, Christina Milian and the Pentatonics and the Pentatonics mm -hmm. are like, known for their Christmas albums. So I got to personally work with them. Uh, I play their manager and they're so fun and they're so cute and charming. I think this movie is going to be good. Yeah. And the script is like a step above, you know, sometimes I mean shade, but some of the Christmas movies out there are really garbage. Um, but the script is very funny and very charming and the leads are yeah, magnetic. So I'm excited to see it. 
they, but it won't they, come out till 2024. So have right, to wait right. So yeah. even though it's called Meet Me Next Christmas, they have to wait yeah. until the it is next, not, next Christmas. Next, next. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but you know, I know that you, you want to keep going with uh, you know TV shows and movies and stuff like that. But as you mentioned, you are, you know, you started in the theater. You're a thespian. Are there any thoughts about returning to the theater? I I would. I miss the live performance and 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 the energy exchange between audience and and myself. Like in the moment, I miss that a lot. Um, but it would have to be really worth it, <laughs> like honestly, because you make no money. Yeah. Um, so it would have to be a role that I really, really am dying to play. I think then I would definitely go back to it. But it's a whole different ball game. I found a love for TV and film, so I want to I want to focus on that. But yeah, never say never. I I love the theater. I love going, and I appreciate classical texts a lot. I'm I'm a little Shakespeare nerd, so yeah. Okay, so then that. I'll ask I'll ask you this: <laughs> What Shakespeare play? If it, if they if it was offered to you, mm-hmm. no questions asked. What is your dream role in Shakespeare? Like which play? Um. Well, you know the women roles suck. So <laughs> this is yes. I once I once got to play Bottom in Midsummer Night's Dream, and I would hands down do that again. Um, but that's kind of a cop off because I, uh, I I've already done it. Um, it's just so fun. It's such a clown role. Um, it's that's the donkey fun. head guy, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. The real thespian. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Macbeth. Like I would okay. like to play a leading man, um, Lady Macbeth. Also, I would love. I would love to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's she yeah. is one of the better written. She is one of the better written ones. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely has a lot of stuff to do there. But you know, the whole playing playing Macbeth, it's yeah. like, how many years upon decades upon centuries did men get to play all the women parts in Shakespeare plays? So I mean, exactly. Why not flip right. it around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could do it. I think it's. I think it would be easier to. Um, do a comedy as a man um it would be a little harder to to do a drama just because they're so yeah it would it would be a whole different thing but i could do it i could definitely do it there you go yeah. Yeah. Ch- challenge is there there it is challenge accepted <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh before we go uh there's one other oh uh, yes that's exactly yes. that's exactly who i was about to bring up actually i was that's gonna perfect. say <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you yeah. spent a lot of time with that, uh, that little, uh, creature, yep. that little puppy yes. these days, right? Hello. Yes. And I shamelessly named her after my character. Her name is Rosie <laughs> because I think we're identical twins. You have matching hair color. We do. You do. We do. Yeah. What's well, not on purpose? <laughs> yes. But <laughs> she is a sweetie. She's a very, she's a sweetheart. So I love her so much. She's very cute. It's, yeah. She's uh... very cute. <laughs> Very needy, not wow. unlike her mother, but very cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, for anybody who hasn't had the chance yet to see Working Moms season seven, and if you're a Working Moms fan, you know, like, come on, what's your excuse? Yeah, it's been a, it's been available worldwide now for at least a couple of weeks. So, yeah. so uh, what 
what's one like word or sentence or thought about Rosie that you'd like to put out there regarding season Ooh. seven? Oh my God. That's tough. Um, I, I wish her luck with um, her future at the firm. And I hope one day she really owns herself. Um, yeah, I, I often think about where would she go if the show was to continue? And I think one day she would be a boss ass bitch, but she would do it in her own way. Um, and it would be, it would be questionable. It would kind of be like a boss ass bitch, but immediately followed by, is that okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or opposite, she would just be overconfident and like, and, and like sexual, but like borderline inappropriately sexual to everyone. I think she. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Well, I, I think I smell a spinoff. That's, yeah. uh, that's what I I'm mean. getting. <laughs> CBC, Netflix, talk to me. Yeah. There you go. There you go, definitely. <laughs> oh, well, uh, as I said, uh, the seventh season is now available on Netflix and CBC Gem, so check it out. I want to thank you so much for coming on, Nikki. It's been thank a light you. talking with you. And uh, look forward to your next projects and to meet you not next Christmas, but the next Christmas. Next, next Christmas. There yeah. you go. There you go. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh. Rosie says bye. If you heard that, she barked. Yeah. All right. See you, Rosie. Have bye, yourself Rosie. a great bye, night, Nikki. Nikki. Yeah. Good night. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So that was Nikki Deval. You can catch her on the seventh season of Working Moms, now available on Netflix. It's also available on CBC Gem to check out. And if you haven't watched the whole series, it's a fun show. Just, I'm going to say that. It's a fun show, uh, especially if you're, you know, Living out in the suburbs and uh, you got a family, it's definitely a lot of relatable material there. Totally. Yeah. Or a good, uh, a, a good way to, uh, you know, reinforce the uh, not wanting to be a birther. It's uh, depending on your point of view. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Exactly. As it sounds like it did for, for Nikki as well. But anyway. <laughs> hey, she's got Rosie. She's got Rosie. That's all she needs. Definitely. That's it. All right. Well, we've come to the end of the program. Mr. Green, where can the good people find us? Uh, well, as always, if you like what we do here, you can always find more content through patreon.com slash For everybody who participates in that right now, we guys, thank you so much. You guys are amazing. For Thanks. those of you who don't, that's super cool. We understand. But it'd be so much better if you joined us. Yes. Yes. Maniacal deep voice. Join us. Join us. Additional content is always available through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Yes, even Pinterest. Search Geek Card Show on any of those platforms and you'll find us there because you'll always find us. And of course, you can check out our website, geekcardshow.com, for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show available on Mondays after 2 p.m. Of course, if you're super forgetful, like I am, and you didn't listen live tonight, the best way to hear it, Andrew, is to do what? Subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice, be it the iTunes, the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Tunes, and Spotify, wherever you catch your pods. And please leave a five-star rating and review because it helps Absolutely. with the analytics. Absolutely. And, of course, if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can always email us at geekartshow at gmail.com. I want to thank... Uh, Nikki Duval and Yalmari Halender for coming on the program for Yalmari Halender, for Sisu for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 for Rocket Raccoon for 
Nikki Duval, for Working Moms, for Meet Me at Next Next Christmas, for Mr. Green and for Yuri all the way back there in the booth. This is Andrew Young saying, if you're going to geek out, you might as well geek hard on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Hard with your host, Andrew Young. And Mr. Green right here on Reality Radio 101.